This episode is brought to you by Vanta. Vanta's trust management platform helps you quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, and more. Learn how by watching Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com WSJ. I'm Cheryl Palmer. I'm the CEO of Taylor Morrison. We're a developer and home builder across the United States and very pleased to be here today. You have to have a, a tremendous amount of courage to stand your position, but also have equal courage not to change who you are and let that mentality in any way affect your performance, how you show up. So as long as you show up true to yourself and stand by your beliefs and have the conviction to communicate them, you do get there. This is Secrets of Wealthy Women from the Wall Street Journal, helping women empower themselves financially. Now, Veronica Dagger. Cheryl Palmer is chairman and CEO of home builder Taylor Morrison. She discusses how her unique leadership style allows her to thrive in a male-dominated industry. Cheryl, you moved a lot as a child. What did that teach you? You know, we did. I felt like I was in, I don't know, a dozen schools before high school. And it, it teaches you about different personalities. It teaches you that people are different and trying to really appreciate the differences because as a kid, kind of reinventing yourself a couple times a year is tough. Um, but when you're especially you're moving into different markets, different parts of the country with different cultures and you talk different, it's really important to get to know people for who they are and then hope that they will do the same. So I think it taught me a lot of um, leadership lessons. You wanted to start making money at a young age. <laughs> How come? Um, it sounds, it's going to sound so bad, to be honest, but um, my mother was a clothes designer. And as a result of that, you know, she would bring home all of our clothes. Well, as a teenager, you kind of like to go shopping with your friends and, you know, pick out your own clothes and make sure your styles are what you want to look like. And so to be able to do that, I just thought it was important because I, I appreciated what my parents did um, to just go earn my own money. So that's why I got a job real early at McDonald's. You had wanted to be a special ed teacher, but you ended up the CEO of a home builder. <laughs> What's your advice for other women who want to make a drastic change in their goals? You know, it would be to follow your heart because I didn't know that I wanted to be a CEO of a home builder. I really did want to be a teacher and specifically I had a lot of passion around special ed and special needs children. But while I was going to school, new opportunities presented themselves. And as I moved through my career, new opportunities presented themselves. And so I stayed very flexible. So that's always my kind of words of wisdom to young. You know, at 2021, it's really hard to know how you're going to feel at 50 or 60. Um, but the new opportunities were always excited and I, exciting. And I always got to learn new things. And then once I actually found kind of that real fire in my belly around home building and building communities, more than before I found the real home building side, but the design and development and building communities and places to raise your family, it really kind of got inside me. It became part of who I was. So once I found it, then I just chased it with everything I had. You said you never pictured yourself as CEO. So I'm wondering, what's your advice for other women? Because a lot of women's 
think similarly. They, they never see themselves as CEO or as senior managers. They just don't really picture that. No, because it's, you know, it's what we do. It's not who we are. And I say that a lot because I think it's so important that sometimes when people are chasing a dream, it, they associate themselves in that role. And I never... I never believe that I've changed who I am or changed what was important to me. But along the way, I I had so much fun, one, in this industry, building communities and getting to work with all kinds of people inside and out. But when you get to surround yourself and work closely with teams, and there's something so special about finding land and having a vision and then watching families move in, that it just then resulted in me being the CEO. I don't know if I would have even known how to go after this if this had been my you know, initial career goal. But I think if you just give everything you have in the role that you're in, the right things happen and you find what makes really good sense. So you know, you want to have goals. And I, I wrote my five-year plans and my 10-year plans. But at the, at the crux of those plans was making sure I gave my very best every day, making the absolute best decisions for my team and my company, and then the right things happen. So probably different than many people, but it certainly worked for me. The construction industry has a reputation of being chauvinistic. Mm. Wondering what you think of that. You know, it's a um, industry that's been around a long time, and I think it's because there's not historically been many women in the industry. But I never, and certainly it could have a lot to do with the way I grew up with my mother being a business person, and I never understood that there were separate roles. And so maybe it was naive and maybe it was a blessing. But when I got to my first real construction job and I was a sales manager and I saw that there wasn't this communication between sales and construction, I just kind of ignored that and did my thing and started building those relationships from my life's early lessons. And so I never let it bother me. And of course, people had to get used to it, but you just, you go after it one relationship at a time. And I always felt that was their issue, not mine. And so I've been doing this for 35 years. I don't really know anything else. And um, it's changing. It's slow. It's slow, but it's changing. And I think there really is a new appreciation of how important diversity of thought really is. I mean, yeah, it comes through gender, it comes through ethnicity, but it's really the, the thought that makes businesses better. The cat calls wouldn't bother you. No, I just, you just, you rise above it because there's so many things in life that can bother you and if you choose to let them. And I, I subscribe to a very different mantra about living every day to its fullest and not letting the little stuff get me down. And um, so, no, it just, you just kind of move through it. And, you know, at the end of the day, that stuff isn't going to be part of your memory tomorrow. You just don't care. Is that the best advice you would give to women dealing with sort of chauvinism in the workplace if they face it? You know, you have to have, at some level, you have to have some thick skin in the workforce and certainly within the construction workforce. And, and that shouldn't be confused with in any way anybody should be treated disrespectfully or be able, have to be asked to tolerate anything inappropriate. So I think you have to make the rules very clear. 
Um, but I think it's incumbent on us to make those rules very, very clear. Now, if you make those rules clear and people decide to ignore them, that's a whole different thing. Then I think you need to do what you need to do. But I think first you have to come at it with, you know, everybody's different and you just attack it one at a time. And um, I'll be honest, certainly I'm sure there's been things that have happened around me and, you know, there's men and there's women in the workforce and there's a tra- All those things exist, but it's really how we choose to deal with them. Can you give an example of how you neutralize someone who maybe wasn't so welcoming to you at the boardroom table or at a construction site? Oh, there's plenty. <laughs> Which ones would I share? Um, so on a construction site, you just, I mean, that, that, that one's easy. Okay, because, you know, you you walk on a construction site and you've got a bunch of construction workers and, you know, you just you once again, you create the relationships and you walk over and you introduce yourself and you kind of command a level of respect by why you're here. And so never really problematic. Um, I think in the boardroom or in, you know, that's a little different. Or if I think around the table of senior executives in our industry, um, that one, if I think back early days, I mean, clearly it was different, just as different for them to have a female in the room as it was for me being the only female. And initially, we had to get used to each other. And, you know, that can be when I think about when I first got the role, you know, 12, 13 years ago, that can be working with private equity who don't really have many female operators in their portfolio companies. And you have to have a a tremendous amount of courage to stand your position, but also have equal courage not to change who you are and let that mentality in any way affect your performance, how you show up. So as long as you show up true to yourself and stand by your beliefs and have the conviction to communicate them, you do get there. Now, it's a journey. And I can Think of some very difficult conversations. And sometimes it takes that level of adversity to get the relationship where it needs to be. And that's okay. What's a difficult conversation you had to have? You need to treat me with the respect I deserve. Um, And don't placate me. Or don't assume that um, I might not know something. So I think those are conversations that just are coming in this new workforce. You just have to be able to be very honest with each other. And just being able to have the conversation, I think, garners respect. And and I'll tell you, equally another difficult conversation is this feels like it's difficult for you because you feel like maybe you're supposed to treat me different. And you know something? Please don't. And so it goes both ways. You say to be your authentic self, but some people may think or some women may assume it's just easier to try to blend in with the guys. I see that mistake being made a lot. Now, blending in, it depends what that means, right? Um, Changing who you are to blend in is, in my humble opinion, never a good idea because it's hard to be have your best self show up if you're pretending to be someone else, right? But blending in because, you know, guys swear on the work part. You know, if, if, you know, I swear too, so. I'm <laughs> <laughs> laughing, me too. <laughs> so that's blending, but I'm not changing who I am. Um, 
blending, you know, pretending I should go play golf, these old stereotypes if I don't want to play golf, that's, that's an appropriate blending. Now, I like to play golf, so I'm okay with that. So it really depends. Once again, I think being part of the group, but not forcing it and not the most important part, I'm going to be so redundant here, is blending as long as I'm comfortable in those discussions, great, but don't change who I am to try to fit in because you won't. Coming up, Cheryl Palmer discusses how trusting her instincts has fueled her financial and professional success. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com. You're listening to Secrets of Wealthy Women from The Wall Street Journal. Heard you work out, you try to work out five days a week. What's your advice for women who feel like they just don't have time for themselves? That is my time for myself. And I wish I could do it five days a week. It's really easy when I'm in town. It doesn't matter if it's 4 a.m. I'll do it. But on the road, that 4 a.m. might be feel like 1 a.m. because of time zones. So it's harder because I have the West Coast clock when I'm in the East. And it's harder. But I love it because it gives me my time. And it's the one time I really do put my phone down and nobody can bother me. Um, And I don't look at it and I'm completely disconnected from email and phone calls. Um, So find the time because at the end of the day, you know, we got to change our priorities if we can't find an hour in the day for ourselves. And it really does allow me to face the day in a better place. You had a brain tumor about Five or six years ago? Yeah. It's a little more than that now, thank goodness. Um, It's been um, eight years. Wow. Would you tell us about that? I was on the board of our parent company in the UK, and part of the requirement back then was getting physicals. And I'm actually a really healthy person. I don't get cold. I don't get flu. I'm just really blessed with a very healthy lifestyle, and um, I've been healthy. But when I went for my physical... They, you know, it's kind of that concierge thing. Tell me about, I'm, I'm good. Oh, I get headaches, but I have, a, I have a stressful job. So they did an MRI, and they called it a coincidental finding. And then they watched it for the course of six, nine months. And then after nine months, it had doubled. And then three weeks later, it doubled again. And so I had to, I was faced with figuring out how to deal with it because they weren't certain it was operable. It was in the middle of my head. And so... Um, it was life-changing. Um, ultimately, I'd made the decision not to go with radiation because if it didn't work, there were no more choices, and I wanted it out of my brain. And um, I decided to go through with the surgery, and there was there was risk. I didn't know what the other side would bring. But if I was going to live, um, I was going to live my full life. And um, so I did. I had the surgery, and, you know, you talk about that healthy lifestyle. They told me I'd be in the hospital a week. I'd be in ICU four or five days. I was out of ICU the next morning. I was home in three. And I really believe it was two things. You know, you just never know when you're going to need your health. So to my earlier point, find that hour because it absolutely pulled me through. 
and so did my state of mind. I never allowed myself, with very few exceptions of having to really prepare and write letters to my kids in case there really wasn't another side, I never allowed myself to think any differently. And that state of mind, um, I remember it's like, well, we really shouldn't let you go home, but you're doing everything you're supposed to. So, okay, if you stay close and you check in every day. Um, but there, the power of the mind is tremendous. And I, I mean, it was the doctors that did it for me, and I'm very grateful to this day. Um, but, but there's a lot that goes into it. How did it change your life? You know, I think I always lived a very um, glass half full life and made the most of every day. Um, and it's always funny, I think, because you always hear, and then it happens to you, you know, make sure you're doing what you love, because what happens if you find out you have, you know, only months to live? Well, I got to make a choice when this was all over, and I came back to work because it is what I love, and I, I couldn't imagine doing anything different. Um, you know, do I put a different level of stock? I don't know that I love my kids any more than I've always loved them. Do I look at my grandkids a little differently and just recognize the preciousness of those moments? And probably it's a greater impact to my kids on don't let the little stuff get you down, guys. There's bigger things that are going to come your way. Um, but I don't think it changed the way I live my life. I really don't. I'm so grateful. You have no idea. I'm so grateful um, to so many. But um, but now. You said you'd tell your younger self to trust your gut. What do you mean by that? Look at all this research you've done. You're an interesting person. <laughs> Thank you. Um, trust your gut. I find the biggest mistakes I make is when I don't. And that could be a business decision. That could be a people hiring. That could be because we're all so busy and you want something to be differently. It always bites me in the butt. Our innate sensibilities are generally pretty good, pretty strong. And sometimes I push it away because I don't want that to be the answer. And um, all the decisions I've made through my career, it was, okay, what's like, why not? It sounds fun. My gut, why not? And what's the worst that can happen? I think that's the other piece of it is if you take this new chance, this risk, what's the worst that can go wrong? And if I'm willing to live with that, then try it because you don't know what could be on the other side of something you haven't experienced before. You led Taylor Morrison through the IPO, initial public offering. How did that change your financial life? You know, it was the, um, the most exciting thing I've ever done from a business standpoint. I have such pride for what this organization has done and built and being able to go tell that story, you know, over two weeks, you know, 50 times was about the most fun anyone should be able to have. And I did. Um, and then taking it public was just, once again, one of those life's bucket list life experiences that I didn't even know was on my bucket list. Um, but I don't know that it changed my life, um, probably because I spent too much time working. Um, but, you know, I've always looked at compensation as you do the right things and the right things will happen financially. And I've had a very blessed career. I really have. Did you buy anything new? or? I do think I bought myself a necklace. It took me a year to like do it <laughs> um, because I'm pretty conservative. So that's probably why. And I could have bought it at any time, but I rewarded myself right after ringing the bell. So I did do that. What's the best personal finance advice you ever heard? That I ever heard? Um, 
probably diversify because so much of my personal um, income and wealth has come through real estate, and we do know this is tends to be a very you know cyclical psych industry. So um, diversity is really good, and then. I think, I don't know if I learned it or I was advised it, but just make sure you're involved in your, nobody else can be responsible for your own personal decisions, your own personal financial decisions. Time now for your secrets. I'm Cheryl Palmer, CEO of Taylor Morrison, and my money secret has always been being very prudent with every dollar I spend. Be sure to check out our ebook based on the Secrets podcast. WSJ subscribers can download their copy of Resilience How 20 Ambitious Women Use Obstacles to Fuel Their Success for free on WSJ.com today. This episode was produced by Tanya Bustos. I'm Veronica Dagger. Thanks for listening. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com.